0: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me for another episode. I'm your host, Brad Betke, and I got some good stuff for you this week. I'm revealing last week's big news that I discussed, top 10 projection for college football, a big story in the NFL, and of course, this week's fast break. So sit back, relax, and turn it up for episode 37 of the Box Score Sports Podcast. my baby to the high Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for returning for another episode. This one being number 37 of the Box Score Sports podcast. Welcome back. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited that you're here. And I'm excited to reveal the news, the big news that I got y'all all excited for last week. Box Score Sports now officially has its own business card. I ordered a handful last week and they just showed up actually a few hours before I'm recording this. So. I'm going to be sending them to a few people that I know kind of all over the the Midwest and so on and so forth. So if, if you'd be down to distribute, you know, 20, 25, 50, something like that of my cards, please reach out to me personally. Let me know, because obviously, as I've mentioned in almost every episode, I'm trying to spread this thing. I'm trying to get noticed. I'm trying to let people hear my beautiful voice. That's why you keep coming back, isn't it? All jokes aside. Thank you guys so much for coming back. Thank you for staying loyal. And for those that reach out ahead of time, thank you for reaching out to offer to hand out the business cards. Without further ado, let's get into the sports. My projection for the top 10 upcoming college football season. I'm going to go over what team I have at what position and a little simplistic rundown as to what made me put them where I put them. Starting with numero uno. You guessed it. Roll Tide. Alabama. It's really not hard. You got Bryce Young, returning Heisman winner. Fantastic season. And really only room to get even better. He's shown that he's one of the best there is right now and will continue to be that way, so as long as he stays healthy, he'll be the best quarterback in college football. Not to mention defensive captain Will Anderson returning from a really big season last year. I can only imagine what he's going to be doing this year. And another really big name that's got my eye, my attention, is Georgia Tech transfer Jameer Gibbs. This kid is huge. For those that haven't seen, look him up. Georgia Tech transfer to Bama, Jameer Gibbs, J-A-H-M-Y-R, Gibbs with two Bs. Kid is massive. He's going to be crazy. But that's nothing new. That's Bama produces monsters. We all know this. So I got Bama at number one. At the number two spot, as much as it pains me to say it, Ohio State University. C.J. Stroud, who... Is really the only person in college football who can put up an argument for best quarterback other than Bryce Young. It's really going to be a battle between the two of them for the Heisman this year in my opinion. I don't see anybody else that stands out enough to put up that argument and is on a talented roster the way that these two are. Not to mention you have receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba returning. After Chris Olave left Ohio State, that leaves Njigba as wide receiver number one, which last year I really liked him. I'm not going to lie. As a fan of football, all personal enjoyment aside, Njigba is really good. I like him a lot. I personally liked him more than Olave. I think Olave had a bit of a, not a letdown season last year, but I think that he was hyped up to do a lot more than he ended up doing. So... I like Jackson Smith and Jigba, and I'm looking forward to his season this year, especially with a quarterback like C.J. Stroud, who's obviously, as I mentioned with Bryce Young, as long as he stays healthy, could potentially be even better than he was last year. So, that's really exciting. Not to mention, most of their offensive line is returning, which in college football is massive. And... I would say the only downfall you really could see with a team like Ohio State is their defense needs a couple fillings. Um, They lost some seriously crucial players, especially in the secondary, to the draft. So they definitely are going to have to make up for it on offense, which I don't see them having too much of a problem with. At the number three spot, your returning national champions, the Georgia Bulldogs. They got Stenson Bennett returning. He showed us last year he was one of the better in the league in all of football, college football. And it's really hard to not pick them to at least make it to the natty again, just based on how well they did last year. Now, the biggest argument here is going to be what happened to their roster, losing, especially on defense, players like Jordan Davis, N'Kobe Dean, Trayvon Walker, and the list goes on. We're plenty aware of how many players got drafted out of Georgia and their star receiver, George Pickens. But with Stenson Bennett returning, just as much talent at quarterback, and don't forget about it, tight end Brock Bowers is returning. He's going to be really good this year. I really do think that he's going to be really good. He's going to be a very common name to hear, and there's going to be a lot of highlight tapes between Bennett and him. So look out for Brock Bowers as well. Three of the five starting O-linemen are returning. That's really big as well. And then they have a fairly simple schedule. I wouldn't say simple, but I mean they don't have a whole lot of really big powerhouse teams that they're really playing, so that gives them a little more leeway and way to squeeze their way up into the playoffs. So keep an eye on them. They should have a fairly decent season. I think they'll finish a little bit lesser than they did last year, but I still think that they make a good argument just based on the fact that a lot of the roster, other than the star players, are returning. At number four, this one may surprise some people after a slightly disappointing season last year, but I have the University of Clemson. A lot of returning starters. Now, in college football, that's huge because there's a lot of players that they play one season and then they move on to the league. Getting the multiple seasons in, you get a little more comfortable, more used to the style of play, more used to college ball. And I think that that's going to have a really big effect on how much better these players play this year. One thing that their success is really going to lean on and depend on is QB success. Clearly that was a big miss last year with, forgive me on this one because my God is this unique, but Uyagablele. Uyangalele, DJ Uyangalele, whatever the hell his name is. He had a very disappointing season last year, but they also have a uh, true freshman, Cade Klubnik, who apparently has a lot of voice and a lot of hype behind his name as well, should things not work out with DJ U. I'm not doing that again. At number five, Texas A&M. They finished... Having the number one signing class of 2022 For recruiting, I mean, if those those that don't know what I mean, for recruiting, that's a big deal, especially with teams like the ones I just listed and the ones that I'm gonna be listing underneath. you think about how many of the like big powerhouse names in college football that don't end up on this list and that this school beat out for recruiting is crazy to me. But I think that culture has a really big impact on that and the player's decision is how comfortable they feel. For those that watched the first episode of Hard Knocks about the Detroit Lions, I don't remember his name, but there was a there's a dude on the team who discussed how he came from Nigeria to the to United States and had offers from almost every college in the country, including Bama, Clemson, all your big SEC and all that, and he chose Memphis because of the environment. So I think that a lot of players that went to Texas A&M went for the environment. I feel like the coaching staff has has made changes to make them feel comfortable and overall in general. So clearly something has changed there to, get, to beat out Teams like Bama, Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson, Georgia, USC, Oregon in signings. That's crazy. Not to mention they have a quarterback Haynes King returning off an injury who has something to prove, but coming off injury could make a huge jump. So keep your eye out for Texas a and At number six, hail to the victors, the University of Michigan. Now, Despite losing a lot of their big stars, Aiden Hutchinson, Dax Hill, David Dijabo, they still have a lot of star talent returning. Both quarterbacks from last season, Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy, are coming back. McCarthy had a bit of a rough season, a lot of trouble containing the ball and handling pressure, but according to sources, he's been doing very well this year and is really fighting for that starting quarterback position. So I'm actually really excited and I'm looking forward to the entertainment that's going to come from those two fighting back and forth for the position. Not to mention you have someone who, if they stayed healthy and played all season, could have potentially made an argument for the Heisman, Blake Corum. He had an incredible start to the season and played really well towards the end of the season, but there was a bit of a gap in there where Hassan Haskins kind of took over for a bit. So... I'm really looking forward to Blake Corm returning. He played fantastic last year. And then y'all are sleeping on Donovan Edwards, man. Out of West Bloomfield High School. This kid came in last year and made a lot of big plays out of nowhere as a freshman. So, he's gotten that experience under his belt. He got that playtime little welcome to the, you know, welcome to the next level. He got that all out the way. I'm telling you, him and Corm are going to go just as crazy as Haskins and Corm did last year. I love it. I'm looking forward to it. And a lot of people forget about Ronnie Bell, one of the best receivers in the country, in my opinion, is coming back from injury. He's insane, and I think people really do forget how good he is because of how long he's been gone. Go back and look at his his highlight tapes. He's crazy. He even made an insane catch that they ended up not calling a catch, but in all reality, was a catch. Really early in the season. I mean, the kid's talented, man. I'm, I'm really looking. I'm really happy that he's coming back, and I'm really happy really looking forward to. I mean, to him playing a full season healthy at number seven I got Notre Dame they got the new head coach enter you know implementing a new culture not to mention their defensive success was their biggest strong suit in 2021 and a very large number of their defense is returning especially in terms of their D-line and second level linebackers If you look at their schedule, it's really not bad. They have a season opener against Ohio State, which they probably will lose. But after that, they have the potential to win 11 games. There's really not a true team that they're going to run into that could give them a run for their money, other than a few teams, but they are winnable games. So we'll leave it at that. At number 8, I have Utah. The Utah Utes. They Barely lost to OSU, Ohio State, in the Rose Bowl last year after beating Oregon 38-10 to get to the Rose Bowl. So this team was good last year. Five of their defensive stars are returning, and their secondary is coming back from injury, I believe. So the fact that this team could have the potential to be better than they were last year, I got to put him in the top 10. Easy. At number nine, I have USC Trojans, Lincoln Riley. Let's talk about this for a minute. Last year, the Trojans had a pretty upsetting season. They didn't really have any notable players that went to the draft other than one or two. And, It was kind of disappointing for the Trojans because they're known as one of the bigger, better schools in college football through history, I should say. But Lincoln Riley coming to USC really flipped the roster, bringing in his quarterback at his old school from Oklahoma, Caleb Williams, who took over for Spencer Rattler's emotional ass. I'm sorry, I don't like Spencer Rattler. He's full of himself. He's egotistic. I don't like him. Caleb Williams came in, was a humble dude, and did a lot better than Spencer Rattler did. Not to mention pulling in one of the another better, better receivers in the country, Jordan Addison from Pittsburgh. And those are just a few names among a influx of transfers due to Lincoln Riley. So I think this team is going to make a significant jump from last year and definitely be fighting for a spot in the top ten. And then lastly, at number 10, I have the University of Oregon. 14 starters out of the 22. So more than half from the 2021 team that went 10-4 and four are returning. That's a big deal. Their entire O-line is returning. Even bigger deal. Not to mention getting Auburn transfer Bo Nix quarter, at quarterback, who has shown potential within the last couple of years that he could be a talent in this league. I would say that right now their biggest weakness is their secondary. They do need to make some adjustments there, and they may potentially have to promote some players and I think really search for some talent between now and the season starting to really give them that boost because otherwise they're really they're not as bad. Yes, they lost Kayvon Thibodeau, but their pass rush is still not that bad. But I think their secondary is going to be their downfall this year. But there you have it, guys. That's my top ten projection for the college football season incoming. I'm so excited. I can't believe it. The NFL is back. You had the Hall of Fame game. And you got preseason games coming up real soon here. I've already started drafting fantasy teams. I had a draft the other day that I absolutely loved. Um, I'm going to try to list as many as I can. I think first round I took Jamar Chase. Second round I took Tyreek Hill. Third round, I took Cam Akers. Fourth round, I took Nick Chubb. Fifth round, I took Justin Herbert. Sixth round, I took... What's his name? Dalton Schultz, tight end from Dallas. Seventh round, I took... Amon Ross St. Brown from the Lions. Eighth round, I took the Colts defense, I believe. And then, I think I took Evan McPherson kicker from... Cincinnati and then on my bench I have players like Brandon Ayuk Damian Harris who I have high hopes for list goes on overall I love my team I think it went fantastic I think I have one of the top three best teams in that 10 person league so I'm very excited for that league not to mention I got more drafts I'm probably gonna do close to 10 this year I just love it I love fantasy it gets me so excited On to the next story here. This one came out of absolutely nowhere. I don't think anybody really saw it coming. Chicago Bears star defensive player, linebacker Roquan Smith, requested a trade and actually wrote a letter to the city of Chicago. I'm going to touch on a few points in the letter just now. To the city of Chicago and all the Bears fans worldwide. I have officially requested a trade. Just writing these words is deeply painful. When you grow up playing football, you, you dream of making it to the NFL one day. Playing the linebacker position, you never imagine getting drafted in the top 10 by the Chicago Bears. I'm a homegrown bear. A dream come true for me to have an opportunity to put that Bears helmet on and wear the same jersey as legendary linebackers did. It's an indescribable feeling thinking about players like Brian Urlacher and Mike Singletary. Walking these hallways the past four years, you can feel the spirit, you can feel the pressure to live up to that timeless history, that great legacy, and here he goes. I dreamed playing like Wilbur Marshall, Singletary, Briggs, Urlacher, Butkus. Since the day I was drafted, I vowed to play this position at a level that upheld the standard that was set before me. To uphold that respect and honor, and I have. Unfortunately, the new front office regime doesn't value me here. They've refused to negotiate in good faith. Every step of this journey has been, quote, take it or leave it. The deal sent to me is one that would be bad for myself and for the entire linebacker market if I signed it. I've been trying to get something done that's fair since April, but their focus has been trying to take advantage of me. I wanted to be a Bear my entire career, help this team bring a Super Bowl back to the city. However, they left me no choice than to request a trade that allows me to play for an organization that truly values what I bring to the table. I think this is horrible to be, it's a horrible day to be a Chicago Bears fan because he's the best player on their defense. No question. He's been the best player on their defense since Khalil Mack left. And to lose a star like that, it, man, that's got to hurt. I'm sorry to Bears fans. You already had enough going on with the fact that your team did absolutely nothing to get Justin Fields some receivers to throw to and an a line to protect him. So I'm glad that I'm on a different side of the NFC North. Despite our history, at least I'm not in your position. So tough shit. But I went on and listed five potential landing spots Four. Roquan Smith in no specific order let me say that ahead of time but looking at the Denver Broncos adding Russell Wilson put them in a win now mode and with their best linebacker being Bradley Chubb they could definitely use a little more reinforcement at the second level considering their secondary is one of their strong suits they could use a little work on D-line but I think that their biggest hole in their defense is the linebacker position so I definitely see him fitting on a team that's in-win now. Going and getting a star like Roquan Smith would have a big impact, and he also could argue to be a leader for the defense next to players like Justin Simmons and Patrick Sertain. The Los Angeles Chargers. Now, I know they went and got Khalil Mack, but as I've mentioned in previous episodes, I consider outside linebackers like Khalil Mack, TJ Watt, Chandler Jones, pass rushers more than I consider them linebackers. Losing players like Kazir White and getting little production from Kenneth Murray shows that they definitely have a need for a linebacker, inside linebacker. So they could definitely use the help of somebody like Roquan Smith. The Baltimore Ravens, I think on this list, need it more than any team I have. They really need help at inside linebacker. Their current starting middle linebacker is Josh Bynes. Now, if you're a Lions fan, you'll know who that is. But other than that, I guarantee the average NFL fan has no clue who Josh Bynes is. So, let me just put it like that. They could use him. The New England Patriots. After losing Dante Hightower, they definitely have a bit of a hole at the inside linebacker position. And it would also be a really good compliment to a player like Matt Judon at outside linebacker to have a really good teammate. Like Smith in the middle. Losing a player like J.C. Jackson had its impact. Hopefully they can bounce back from that and get enough done there, but they definitely could use some help from a player like Roquan Smith. And then lastly, the Miami Dolphins. If you really look at the history of the team the last couple of years, they haven't had a solidified linebacker since Cameron Wake, maybe. So or maybe Kiko Alonzo, you know what I mean? And even those names, they didn't they weren't crazy. I think Cameron Wake has a good career, but his last handful of seasons have been nothing special. So they also with a team like they have, the offense they went and got this year, I think that they could they could definitely use some help on defense just to make the team that much better. So I don't know, overall losing a player like Roquan Smith, man, as a as a fan of a team in the same division, I'm very excited because he's a problem so that eliminates that problem for when my team plays their team twice. So good stuff. I love it. Made the game that much more winnable. But as as a fan of football, I can see myself in the shoes of the Bears and it would really suck to lose a star talent like Roquan Smith. All right, you guys. You know what time it is. Let's get crazy. Let's get ready. It's time for this week's Fast Break. Kevin Durant has officially reiterated his trade request after meeting with owner Joe Tsai. He has made a ultimatum that the owner in the Nets must choose between Kevin Durant and the pairing of GM Sean Marks and head coach Steve Nash. That is a bold move, KD. The Boston Bruins made big re-signings this last week, signing Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci on one-year contracts to keep them a playoff contender. We have a few stories about success and history being made in the WNBA, starting with the most impressive one, Sabrina Ionescu, who's only in her second season in the WNBA, records the first ever 500-point, 200-rebound, 200-assist season in the history of the league ryan howard records the most threes as a rookie in the history of the wnba with 77 threes and legend candace parker is the fifth ever to record 600 blocks as a wnba player one of the the greatest tennis players ever if not the greatest women's tennis player ever serena williams is set to retire following the 2022 U.S. Open Tournament. The 23-time Grand Slam winner is calling it a career. The Detroit Tigers have officially let go of GM Al Avila. As an ex-resident of Detroit, I couldn't be happier, considering he was ruining the young core that they have in Detroit. Michigan State basketball coach Tom Izzo signs for a five-year, $31 million contract to stay as the head coach of the Michigan State Spartans. And lastly, the National Basketball Association has officially retired its first number league-wide, number six to honor the late Bill Russell. I'm not going to lie, real quick, that Bill Russell, I don't know how much I agree with something like that. I understand that he's legendary to the game. He's one of the most impactful players to ever touch a basketball. I've mentioned that. But if that's the case, then why not retire both of Kobe's numbers or really any great player that's passed away? I understand the message it's trying to send, but I just think it's a little off. That's just my opinion. I'd love to hear what you guys think. That wraps it up, guys, for this week's fast break and episode 37 of the Box Score Sports Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. I'm looking forward to next week. I can't wait for football to start picking up again. It's my favorite time of year. Just a reminder about the business cards. I have them now. So please, 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 if you are at all interested in supporting the channel and distributing any number of cards for us, I would greatly appreciate it. Please reach out to me personally on any of our social medias, or if you have my personal contact information, please do the same. That's it for this week, guys. I will see you next week for episode 38. Peace out. So the high is high